0: To reserve your spot, simply sign up at www.equippingells.com slash routines. Trust me, your future self will thank you for it. I'll see you at the webinar. You are listening to episode five of Equipping ELLs. Hey there, I'm so excited you're joining me today. Today's episode is all about three things we should stop doing and three things to start doing instead to support your English language learners. There seems to be a lot of confusion around what ELLs need and what is not really that beneficial to them. And so today I want to share with you three things that you might be doing that really are not necessary and could be inhibiting their growth in their English language journey. I see a lot of teachers trying to do their best, but the truth is some of your efforts might be wasting your time and your students' time. So let's realign our efforts and focus on what is the best practices to support our English language learners. All right, now let's get to the show. Teaching ELL students is a privilege and a joy. Is it easy? No way. But with the right support, you can feel empowered to tackle each day with ease and confidence. I'm your host, Beth Boucher, founder of Inspiring Young Learners. With over 10 years of teaching, both nationally and internationally, I know what it takes to ensure that your ELL students have what they need, to thrive today, tomorrow, and for life. I'm on a mission to empower you to equip your English language learners. Welcome to Equipping ELLs. Let's get to today's episode. If you are brand new to working with newcomers, you might, as soon as you hear that you're getting a newcomer, immediately think, that you need to translate everything into that student's native language but that is not true and that's really going to just exhaust you and waste your time and efforts so there's specific things that would be helpful to have in that student's native language and then the rest of it can be scaffolded and supported in english so let's talk about that what should you translate anything that's being sent home to the parents if you're able to get it sent in their native language and helping to open those lines of communication, that is a great time to translate and to have somebody in your school, if they're able to translate it or using different online translation devices. So things that are being sent to the parents is important to translate. If you have a student who's just really not really fitting in and really having a hard time getting adjusted to the classroom, then if you have another student that speaks that same language That might be a time that you have the student translate and help to get to know and hear what the student's feeling and hear how you can help that student adjust better to your classroom. I remember my first newcomer student was from Bulgaria, and I did not know how to speak any Bulgarian, but the girl, there was a first grader next door who could speak Bulgarian. And so one day, this newcomer student of mine, who was so sweet and pleasant and really excited to learn English, but one day I could tell she was really frustrated. And so I had the first grader come and help translate to see what was going on, because I really wanted to give her an opportunity to share what was happening. Well, they had a little conversation back and forth, and in the end, the first grader told me that this girl, Ioana, was asking if she could bring juice to our Valentine's Day party. (laughs) So this was a great time to really have that opportunity for her to share and express what she was thinking, what she was feeling. She wanted to be a part of that, that Valentine's day party and bring something in and wanted that confirmation. So finding opportunities like that, if you can connect with your students and finding those little ways that you could have other students help translate to get to know your students, that's a great time. When it comes to content, you don't need to translate everything. Okay. There are strategies of using native language and we can get into those later on, but right now when we're talking with newcomers, We want to begin building that English vocabulary. So giving them things like survival words with pictures. Think about if you were in a new country, what would be the first things you would want to learn? Would you want to learn your ABCs first? Probably not. You'd want to learn how to say things like, where is the bathroom? Or I'm lost. Can you help me? Or my teacher's name is. Those are really important survival words and phrases that we want to begin with, with our newcomers. And we want those to be in English so they can begin to pick up those English words. So we don't want to translate content. You're going to really waste your time trying to translate what they're doing in the second grade classroom so that that student can understand the material. You want to just use strategies to scaffold that material so that they can understand and begin to build language at their language level. Now, the other reality is if you are a monolingual classroom, you're not the bilingual classroom, then the parents are sending them knowing that this is going to be a place where they're going to pick up English. And so if that is the expectation, you want to help the students do that. For example, my daughter here in Panama went to a Spanish speaking preschool and they have Both of them have gone to Spanish-speaking preschool since they were young. And so for us, we did that purposely. We wanted them to learn Spanish. But my daughter's preschool teacher at one point was telling me how she was helping my daughter understand by explaining things in English. And I know that the teacher was thinking she was helping, but really that wasn't helping because my daughter had a lot of exposure to Spanish and she was able to understand what was going on. So she didn't need that assistance of having it translated into English. Instead, it really kind of changed the atmosphere for my daughter because she then knew that she was going to get that English support. So the same thing's happening with our students is unless it's really needed, we want to help support them in English and by speaking English, using scaffolds and strategies to help them pick up the English language and not confuse them by using a little bit of Spanish here or having them become really dependent on Google Translate for everything. There's a time and a place for that but we don't want to make that the norm. Now, in the show notes, I'm going to share with you a free decision chart to know when it's appropriate to use a student's first language and when it is not appropriate, because it's really tricky to know. There are some times, like I said, that it's really appropriate and important to use their native language and then other times when it's not. So check out in the show notes for that freebie to help you figure out when it's appropriate and when it's not. Now, the second thing to stop doing and start doing instead is trying to plan for each group that you are working with. So stop planning for every single group you're working with and instead start to reuse your materials. If you are an ESL teacher, you most likely are juggling multiple language levels or grade level groups. Let me know in the comments or in the review if this is you because I'm talking to a lot of you inside of Equipping ELLs and you're juggling 13 different planning sessions a week, and that is a lot on your plate to be planning quality lessons for all those different groups. So we want to get smarter with this. Here are a few tips of how you can stop planning for every group and instead start to reuse materials. The first thing, one of my favorite things to do is use a children's book that you can use across grade levels and language levels. One children's book can easily be used with newcomers where you're just talking about Vocabulary, you're working on comprehension of the story, you're looking at character development, really simple but powerful ways you can use a children's book with newcomers. You can use that same exact children's book with your intermediates, where you're pulling out more mentor text and you're pulling out different reading comprehension strategies. You're taking it a step further from that same children's book. And use the topics that are going on in their classroom, use the content that they're learning in their homeroom classroom, or find children's books that go with the season or holidays that are coming up and find diverse children's books that your students can really connect to, that they can connect and share stories because they see in the pictures themselves. First tip, use a children's book across multiple groups. The second tip is use engaging text for multiple groups, things like closed reading. I love closed readings. I think it's extremely powerful to have Our students read one text multiple times. Repetition is so important for our students. And so even if you're working with newcomers, if you have an engaging text, they can still listen to that text and build listening comprehension. You are going to hear me say that a lot on this podcast episode, but listening comprehension is crucial to language development. So even if you're working with students who are not that far along in their language journey, And are not reading yet, you can still use engaging text and have them listen to it and have them draw, pull out some vocabulary words, take it further. And then you can use that same engaging text with a higher level group and have them work on reading fluency and reading comprehension. I'm gonna link in the show notes some closed reading passages that are already scaffolded for your ELL, so you really don't have to do any work but print and teach. And you can use these with newcomers up to intermediate ELLs. The last thing you can do is use pictures. Use seasonal pictures and then scaffold them for different groups. So one picture you can take and use in so many different ways. So let's say for your newcomer group, you put a picture up and you're just literally having them pull out vocabulary. Or even if they're not at that stage yet, maybe they just go up to the board and you say the word and they point to it and then You have them try to say the word back to you. For your intermediates, you can use that same picture, have them pull out vocabulary, have them say a sentence using that picture, have them talk with a partner and ask questions about the picture, have them write about the picture. I mean, there are so many ways you can take one engaging picture and use it for all your groups. So stop trying to plan for every single group and start reusing the material that you have. If you're doing things like game, bingo, memory, use those for multiple different groups, have them available in your class so that your students can use those throughout the the day as well and throughout your lessons. Now, the last thing that we want to stop doing is we want to stop thinking that our English language learners learn the same as native speakers, and we need to start scaffolding. ELLs are learning language and content at the same time. It is very different than learning content when you have a foundation in English. I'm seeing this same thing happen with my daughter who is in kindergarten and I'm working with her on learning to read and just seeing her as she's working on phonics skills, be able to read the phonics words because she has six years of English, hearing English spoken. She has so many words in her brain. And so she sees them now in print and it's a lot easier for her to be able to read them. Even some of those obscure words that we have in some of our phonics activities, she is able to understand them. But when we're working with ELLs, they don't have that long history of a foundation in English. They haven't been hearing English for the last six, seven, eight years and building up that listening comprehension. So now when they're working on English, they're also building that vocabulary word bank at the same time. And so it's very different the way that their brains learn compared to a native speaker. This is with any language. And so we want to make sure that we are not just teaching them and expecting them to perform as our native speakers are. We need to give them the scaffolds and supports so that they are able to unlock their learning and the language through content. Okay, so here are three things that you can do to help them be able to do that. First thing is add visuals. As often as you can add visuals. This helps your native speakers as well visuals are how our brain works. So if you show them a word, they'll probably forget it. If you show them that word with a visual, there's a lot better chance that they are going to remember it. So find There are so many free websites of stock photos. There's Pixabay and there's Canva and tons of other ones that have free stock photos where you can quickly and easily search for pictures that go along with the vocabulary you will be teaching that week. So spend an extra couple minutes to find visuals to help support the content that you're teaching. The next tip is to, this is one of my favorites, add a QR code on activities that your students are working on where they need that extra support of listening. So if you're having your students do a um, worksheet page and you don't want the, maybe let's say they're not a very strong reader yet. So you want to remove that hindrance of their reading skills. You want to make, you're trying to see if they understand the material and they can do what you're asking them to do. So you want to think what hindrance might the student have and how can I help remove it? So if you have that student just read the text, but you know, they're not very strong in reading yet. Well, that probably is going to impact the rest of the worksheet because if they can't read it and they can't understand it, they're not going to be able to do the rest of it adding a QR code. There's tons of easy ways to do that. And I'll link in the show notes how to easily do that of you reading over that passage and then pasting it onto that worksheet. Now it removes that hindrance of, do they understand what this content is about? And are they able to do what we're asking them afterwards? Now they can listen to it. They can listen to it a few times. They can hear it read fluently, which then you can see how their understanding is of the material without that support, they're then just reading a paragraph. And if their reading's not that strong yet, you're really not gonna get any output and you're not gonna be able to see how their comprehension and understanding of the material is. So think, what's the hindrance that the student might have and how can I help put something in place to remove that hindrance? So adding a QR code is extremely helpful. And then when it comes to writing... Giving your students a sentence stem or a word bank is extremely helpful and simple to do. So when you have students who sit there and look at you and you give them a writing prompt or you tell them what you want them to write about, and they're looking at you with a blank stare, the hindrance is that maybe they don't, they can, they're not able to pull those ideas to the front of their brain yet. They need that little bit of assistance. And so when you give them a sentence stem or a word bank, you're not watering down your curriculum. You're just helping them overcome that immediate block that sometimes our students have. You're helping them to get out what you're asking them to do. You're asking them to write. And so giving them that sentence or word bank kind of just sparks those ideas so that they're able to produce what you're asking them to produce. Remember that we are not watering down curriculum when we scaffold. We're removing the hindrance to understanding. And you're actually going to see higher engagement with your ELLs and you're going to see better output. You want to be really clear on what you're asking of them to do and then help them find ways to showcase what they know. Let's realign our efforts and focus on what is best to support our ELLs. So for your newcomers, make sure to stop translating everything and instead provide appropriate materials for them to begin to learn English. Also, stop planning lessons for every single group you're working with and begin to reuse materials with scaffolds to save yourself time and make the most of your lessons. Last, stop expecting your ELLs to learn the same as a native speaker and start to add in one or two scaffolds to help unlock their language and content skills. Challenge yourself to add in one to two go-to scaffolds a week like sentence stems, word banks, or pictures. Those small steps will make a huge difference in your students' understanding and engagement. Also, don't forget that I am celebrating this new podcast with a giveaway of five $25 TBT gift cards, plus one grand prize winner of my course, ELL Strategy Academy, a year subscription to my membership equipping ELLs, and a $50 TBT gift card. And I've made it super easy for you to enter. All you need to do is follow, rate, and write a review on Apple Podcasts, screenshot your review and send it to me in an email or in a message on Instagram. You'll get bonus entries for each additional review, screenshot your favorite launch episode, add it to your Instagram stories, and tag me on Instagram at inspiring young Learners. Winners will be announced on January 17th, so hurry before the giveaway ends. Thank you for joining me in today's episode. All links and resources mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you're looking for even more support and done-for-you resources created specifically for the needs of ELLs, head to inspiringyounglearners.com. I'll catch you here next week. Until then, take that next step to keep equipping your ELLs.